0: Welcome to Awake to Oneness Radio. I am Caroline Chang, your host. The mission of Awake to Oneness Radio is to inspire the world to awaken to the universal truth of oneness. Science is now teaching us that all life is interconnected and interdependent. And also uh, ancient wisdom and spirituality has been teaching the truth of oneness for eons. So basically what you do to another person, you're literally doing to another aspect of yourself. And when mankind awakens to the universal truth of oneness, there will be peace on earth. Today's show so today's show topic is Soul Shift with author Mark Ireland. Mark is also the co-founder of a wonderful organization named Helping parents heal. Welcome Mark to Awake to Oneness Radio.
1: Thank you, Caroline. It's great to be here and I appreciate the opportunity to share with your audience.
0: Well, thank you so much. Um, what I like you to do is introduce yourself. You are an author. You are the co-founder of Help. Health- Helping Parents Heal, um, which I've just become an affiliate to Helping Parents Heal in the Poconos, PA. A lot of people know of the Poconos, but don't know what state we're in. (laughs) We're, (laughs) we're, We're in Pennsylvania, and currently I am the only affiliate for Helping Parents Heal in the state of Pennsylvania, so hopefully we'll we'll get some more affiliates um, that that are interested, especially in the Philadelphia area, which would be great. Our, Absolutely, big market. Right, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. So Philadelphia on the eastern side of PA, and we have Pittsburgh on the west western side of PA. So maybe um, anyone in those areas listening to this show might check us out and and join us. Okay, but Mark, please, please share with our listeners
1: your journey. Sure, thanks for that uh, intro, Um, and thank you for becoming an affiliate leader. We really appreciate the support and helping the parents around the country in all the different areas. So, I'll I'll tell you two quick intros here, or pieces of information about my story, and my background, and then also tell you how Helping Parent SEAL came to be. Okay. So, my father—I had a rather unusual upbringing. I had a very gifted psychic medium father who counseled Mae West, who I got to meet when I was 19 years old, and a number of other celebrities. But he also founded a very progressive church back in 1960, um, where he, you know these abilities were featured as the gifts of the spirit. So it was kind of taking what a lot of traditional people, traditional Christians, read in the New Testament but bringing it to life instead of like something that happened in the past, right? um, demonstrating for them, Hey, there's more than just being a a body and a brain. There is a realm beyond that and demonstrating that through a variety of means from not only psychic information, but relaying messages from deceased people that were very helpful to those on this side of the, of the veil, if you will, who are still in the physical form um, that were grieving or hurting. So I grew up with that. Um, and it just was part of our family. Uh, we couldn't get away with anything as kids. Dad knew everything that was going on. My, it really affected my older brother who liked to, uh, hot rod or have people buy beer for him when he was underage and he'd get <laughs> busted and things like that.
0: Well, that's but, awesome. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, And, uh, he was just highly specific too. And the amount, uh, the the realm of his abilities are beyond anything I've seen since he's been, he passed back in 92, but growing up with that, it really shapes your sense of what reality is to be a little different than the average person on the street. And so, uh, despite that, I kind of took my own path and my dad always said I was very psychic and I've seen that pop through from time to time, but I didn't really focus on it. It wasn't really a central part of my life, you know, for most of my growing years. And I guess, part of that's, you know, as you're a teenager and then a young adult, you kind of want to be your own person and take, you know, forge your own path. And and so I did, and I went to college, got a degree. I got married at a fairly young age um, and we had a couple of uh, boys. So, um, I was just kind of cruising along the regular status quo American dream kind of thing, if you will. Yeah. And, uh, in 2004, I had a wake up call that pulled me out of that track and into one that I think is much more meaningful. Not that I've divorced myself from the business world because I still have to pay the bills, right. but to where the most part important part of my life and the most passionate part for me is the spiritual side. And uh, I look forward to in the future when I can pull out of the, the corporate world and just do that full time to be able to help people. So That event, that catalyst, if you will, was the passing of my youngest son, Brandon. Um, And on that day, it was January 10th, 2004, um, he was about to go on a hike in the mountains behind our home, and I had a really uneasy feeling about it, and this might be one of those psychic episodes, if you will, Um, And I was sitting at the computer and actually saw kind of a, a white light above me or something I felt like was a presence It felt maybe angelic or I don't know, or somebody on the other side, but, and I felt concerned, extreme concern over this hike. And, but then I thought, you know, the rational part of my mind, my left brain comes through and I'm uh, questioning myself saying, you know what, you're just a worrying parent and all, but I did try and talk Brandon uh, out of going, but he went anyhow. And his last words to me were, we're going dad. In other words, stop worrying. You know, he's 18 years old, he's going to do his own thing and it's just, you know that's life. Yeah. So we we left. We were on the other, my wife and I were on the other side of town for most of the day, and I had an uneasy feeling all day long. And my phone rang that afternoon, and I thought, okay, I left a note for Brandon on the table to ask him to call me when he got back. And I thought, okay, good, it's him, and he's back. But it wasn't. It was coming from my other older son, Stephen, who was at work at the time, and he relayed to me that some of the buddies who had been climbing with Brandon reported that Brandon had fallen ill and something was wrong he was passing out on the mountain but they couldn't get good enough cell phone reception to get help so i then called uh, the authorities and asked them to send a helicopter which they did cuz they were near the top of the McDowell mountains in Scottsdale Arizona and so we started driving back across town by the time we got there to the base of the mountain there were literally hundreds of people and fire truck and an ambulance and helicopter so it was a pretty scary scene and it wasn't long after I told one of the policemen who I was that he introduced me to a chaplain, and then I my heart kind of sank because I figured, why would they be introducing me to a chaplain unless it was bad news? Right. And sure enough, within about 15 minutes, uh, I had just forced him and asked him the question if my son had passed, and he said, yes, he had. Oh. So that was uh, the low point for me and my wife, um, and I started thinking in my mind right then, like, will, will we make it, will I make it? Will I have a reason to live. Um, but the one thing that sustained me really was drawing back on my childhood and what I'd seen with my father growing up and knowing that there is more. and it's it's just about you know bearing this hard part right now and getting through this. And uh, one of the first things that happened shortly after this was um, now my father was gone by this point, but I had an uncle who was still around who had very similar abilities. And I talked to him, and he asked if he could do anything to help me. And I just said, um, "If you get any information or feel anything about Brandon and his well-being, I'd really appreciate it." And then it was a couple of days later. I was in the mortuary, and uh, my uncle and I spoke. Either I called him or he called me; I can't remember which. Mm-hmm. I was on a cell phone, and uh, he said, "Mark, I had something I wanted to share with you, and that is that you know last night." Um, I tried to connect and I I just couldn't get anything. But I got up this morning and did my morning meditation and your father came to me. And he looked just like he always has. And um, he relayed to me that he was there when Brandon passed and he helped him adjust. And Brandon wanted you to know you're the best parents he ever could have had, which is great and what we want to hear. But he also gave me a piece of information that was very validating. Because at the time we didn't know the cause of death. And my uncle relayed that my dad had said Brandon's death was caused by a a lack of oxygen in his bloodstream that ultimately caused his heart to fail. Two or three days after that, I talked to the physician that performed the autopsy. And she explained to me that um, it had been a severe asthma attack, uh, which had decreased Brandon's blood oxygen levels to a point of cardiac arrest. So the information provided by my uncle was exactly right. And so that was the validating piece that went along with the feel good piece. Right. And that spurred me to start thinking about what I wanted to do going forward and how I could first help myself heal and help my family heal. And then it expanded into much more than I could have imagined. Um, early on, I, I think a couple of days after, I wanted kind of a personal connection or validation. And I knew it was possible, so uh, even though I'm not a great meditator, I went into a darkened room, which I think was actually my closet, so it would be pitch black, and then I just quieted my mind as as best I could and just prayed for some sort of sign or connection. And within a reasonably short period of time, an image of my son Brandon's face kind of flashed across my mind's eye, followed by a cross with an oval loop at the top. And I'd seen those, but I didn't really know what they were. So it was something I had to kind of look into to see, well, is this a, a message of some sort? Am I supposed to decipher what this means? Right. And then I Googled what the cross with the oval loop is. And it's, uh, it's the Egyptian Ankh, which is the oldest cross of human history. And the lower part symbolizes physical life. And the loop symbolizes eternal life. So to me, that was relaying um, the image of my son was smiling and happy. And then I get this message that it's eternal life. Um, and it's something I didn't already know. So that was pretty meaningful. And then um, I think it was February. So Brandon passed in January. February, I'm watching the news in Phoenix on the NBC affiliate. And I see a, a little feature about a mediumship study being conducted at the University of Arizona at the time. Mm-hmm. And the, the medium they featured was Allison Dubois, who became famous later on for the show Medium. Uh, which was which was originally on NBC. So they, they had the real life Alison Dubois doing a blind reading for someone where she couldn't see them or get any feedback. And then afterward, the sitters or the people who received the information provided feedback about the accuracy of that. And it was pretty impressive. So I thought, wow, this is, you know, this is getting back to like what I remember from my dad and along those lines. And I thought to myself, I, I'd love to get into that lab and be participant as a sitter, and I'd love to get a reading from Allison. Yes. Well, synchronicity kicked in, and the very next day, I get a call from a gentleman in Dallas, Texas named Jerry Conser, who had been friends with my father, and Jerry said to me, hey, Mark, um, I know someone who might be able to help you. Her name is Allison DuBois, and here's uh, a number you can call to try and get a reading from
0: her. <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> so pretty, pretty quick there. So I did eventually get the reading. She had a long wait list because she's very good, and was you know had a long a, a lot of uh, people who used her services. And um, so, and I eventually got into that lab too, and actually participated as a sitter, but with another medium later on named Lori Campbell, and that was actually taped for a Discovery Channel feature. Um, people can see a clip of that on my website. Uh, there's a link to that. Wow. Um, so through the course of this, I. Had a number of things occur, um, including four sessions with different mediums where I went in without them knowing anything about me and kind of being guarded, which I didn't really want to do, but I felt like it was important for my own sake of validation. Right. And at some point I felt like I was going to create a book out of this because it was kind of a journey I was on and I thought it could be healing to others. Yes. But aside from the mediumship readings, which provided a lot of great validations that I'll share in a little bit. There was another uh, several episodes, but one in particular that was outside of that, that was very validating. So six months after Brandon's passing, we uh, went on a cruise, my wife Susie and I, our son Steven, and we took Brandon's best friend, Stu, because Brandon was originally going to go and it was going to be to celebrate his graduation from high school so yeah. Stu, being his best friend and the kid who was on the mountain with him trying to resuscitate him for 45 minutes yeah was almost like our third son at this point yes. so yeah so we went on this cruise we had a week-long cruise and it was great it was western caribbean mm-hmm. well the day we got home my wife Susie, she went to our bedroom and sat at the foot of our bed and while she was there she felt a presence and she knew it was brandon and she actually saw a uh, out of her peripheral vision, a, a shadow, figure, or a form. Yes. Um, so she was pretty um, comforted by this. Right. But what was even more validating about it was the next day we got a call from another person. Now, this person's name was James Linton, and he had been uh, in another hiking group the day Brandon had died. And his group, he had gone up to where Brandon was and tried to help but was unable to. But we later connected with him, found out he was a musician, who uh, was a vocalist, songwriter, and guitar player. Um, And before we left for the cruise, he learned that Brandon was a bass player, and he asked if he could borrow Brandon's bass guitar because he needed it for the song he was composing. So here it is one day after Susie's um, event or, you know, a phenomena where she felt and saw Brandon. And then James calls her and says, Susie, I have something to share with you, but I don't know exactly how to share it. Uh, She thought maybe he'd broken the base or something, but he uh, indicated that while he was in the studio recording, he felt another presence in there with him. He saw a shadow figure out of his peripheral vision. He'd seen flashes of white light. And um, he kept denying this initially and thought he needed to take a shower or get water or something to eat. He was hallucinating. Each time he came back, it was stronger and stronger. And finally, he just said, he just felt compelled to say, hey, hey Brandon, what do you want? And then at that point when he opened up to it, he was guided to redo the lyrics to the song and redo the song. And it's actually a very – it's an excellent song. In fact, it's called The Other Side or On The Other Side. And he he said, it's the best song I've ever written, but I didn't write it. Brandon. Yeah. yeah. So having that confirmation of the same event the day after from somebody else who knew nothing about Suzy's experience was – extremely validating so i'll pause for a minute if you want to ask anything
0: oh wow i'm just my heart is so full because um i don't know if you're you know my son is also on the other side um kyle and um i i only had i've had two readings um my first reading was with suzanne Giesman and i just knew instantly that she was connecting with kyle Mm because she was able to describe him to a T, and, and it was just, and and I'd never heard of um, EVP before, mm-hmm. but uh, we were on Zoom like we are now, and I was recording it in Zoom, and, and she was recording it using her, her microphone, which is really a very high-powered microphone, and Kyle was actually literally from the moment she invited Kyle to come in, he was literally, literally trying to speak through through her computer. So it was like wow. he was trying to speak directly to me, and we have all of that on tape, and you can actually hear Kyle's voice.
1: Oh, wow, that has to be phenomenal and, for you, huh?
0: Yeah, and the thing is, you know, Suzanne does does hundreds and hundreds of readings, and this was the first time this has happened with her where she, and I had to, like days later, I directed her to a, a spot on the tape where I could hear Kyle's voice. Um, Cause she does all the hundreds of these. She doesn't go back and listen. She just sends me the tape and, and I listen. I'm like, Suzanne, listen right here. And she like, yeah, you know, she was shocked to hear his voice. You couldn't make out what he was saying, but you could clearly hear his voice. And it was like, so. Yes, it, it's what what helping parents heal is doing is so amazing because it's letting these parents know. Like like Brandon wanted to let you know that, and when you described before you said the word unk, when you described it, I knew what you were talking about. I'm very familiar with the unk cross. And matter of fact, now as soon as you said it, I said to myself, I gotta get me one. <laughs> I have to get me an unk cross. But um, I was thinking, yes, he he's letting you know. It's not, there is no death. There's just eternal life. And so it, it's, it's so, I'm just, my heart is so full with the, this is a beautiful story that you're sharing. Please continue.
1: Well, and Suzanne Giesman is the real deal. It, in fact, I met her about probably six months ago. Okay. And it was actually close to, uh, or maybe it was less than that. I think it was close to the anniversary of Brandon's passing. Okay. Or his birthday, one of the two. Um, okay. But anyhow, she was, I live in Portland, Oregon these days, and she was coming up here, and uh, we'd made arrangements to meet for dinner. So um, we met and said hi, and I showed her a picture, a portrait of Brandon that was on my iPhone at the time. Mm-hmm. And Brandon, it was just him, you know, framed like this. And um, she said, Well, Brandon's showing me this which is the hang loose sign from hawaii uh, i said well we were, we were in hawaii at the time so great you know i didn't think that much about it because he was wearing a hawaiian shirt so i thought okay right. um but i thought okay that's good um and then i the next morning i got up and i thought wait a minute that portrait i actually cropped from a group photo right and i let me check on that so i dug up the group photo and there's five of us uh the four of us Susie and i steven and brandon plus a friend named Malcolm Rosel who lives in Hawaii, okay. and we are all doing this. Uh,
0: wow. So it
1: was pretty phenomenal. Yeah,
0: yeah, yes. It's so true, like what you said, <laughs> that it, it is, like, there's. it's so great that um, we, I got, I got to meet Suzanne, actually, about six months ago. She was here in the uh, Wilkes-Barre. PA area, so I got to meet her in person, but it's so great when you know of these evidential mediums that bring forth hardcore evidence that they are in touch with your loved one and your loved one is fine, So that, and they want us to know that they're fine, that there's eternal life, that they're still with us. And I think these messages are, are so important, for, especially for parents, because I think as a parent, that's the toughest thing. You know, we, we, we all feel like, okay, you know, you're gonna, your parent, your parent, you're gonna end up having to bury one day, your parents. But as a parent, you never dream of having to bury your child. So that is, it's, it's, it's so important to know the truth like you said. And I I think it's so amazing that you got to grow up in the environment you got to grow up in knowing to your dad that there was, even though you didn't gravitate in that direction right away, you kind of, it was still kind of implanted in you from a very young age. So I think that's amazing.
1: Yeah. It's interesting too, because now I do speaking events and things from time to time and um, there was a, a church, a spiritualist church in San Francisco that's had me go there and speak. And I've usually brought along a medium friend, Tina Powers, who lives in Tucson. She's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, I think it was 2015, we were going there and she, this is one of those spontaneous kind of psychic or mediumship things. It's interesting. But she had been bugging me from the beginning. Like, Mark, if you get a message, would you share it during that, during your talk? And I said, well, Sure. But she kept bringing this up again and again. I think you're going to get a message. Are you going to share it? Yes, I will. You know, right? <laughs> so even to the day where we got there, it was a Sunday, and she goes, "Now, are you going to share the message if you get it?" I said, "Yes." <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> so, so we go. So we go into the church, and um, they're playing um, piano music, and it's kind of you know before the service. So I go back in their healing room. And people are getting hands-on healings. And I just sit there and I'm kind of quietly meditating. And as I'd mentioned before, I'm not a great meditator. I have a hard time quieting my mind. But this mm-hmm. time I was able to get it like totally clear. And I sat there and um, I got two pieces of information. First was the name Max. Okay. And then I got the name Maxine. So in my rational mind, I thought, okay, it must be one or the other. So maybe Max is wrong and it's Maxine, not Max. Right. But the way I got it to describe for people, because I always wondered when somebody says, oh, I've got this name. Well, how do you get the name? You hear it auditorially. And for me, no. Did okay. I see it as a word? No. Yes. It just was there. It just kind of came in like an idea. Like if you think about you have an idea, Right. It, it came in like an idea would, or like just something that popped in like a memory kind of thing. Okay. So I went up and I gave my talk. And at the end, I said, well, Tina's compelled me to share anything I might get. And before I started here, I got two things. I don't know if they'll mean anything to anybody here, but the names are Max and Maxine. And then the pastor of the church said, well, that's rather interesting because the founder of the church, Florence Becker, who they all think of very highly. I mean, the whole church is really her creation. She was there from 1929 to 1970. Mm-hmm. Since Florence Becker had two children, they were named Max and Maxine. Wow. They, were born, they were born stillborn um, and they grew up in spirit. And he said, uh, no one knows that except for just a couple of uh, church members. It's kind of a secret here. And then afterward, he took me upstairs and showed me a painting that had been made. And it had a long winding road. And it was like a landscape picture. And at the very end were these two little figures. And he says, that's Max and Maxine. Wow. So that told me, wow, I, I can do this stuff, I guess, periodically. Yeah. But, yes. you know, yeah. I think it was important in that case because it was it was healing to the people there. And probably to give me some encouragement too, even though I don't really focus on doing that kind of work myself, at least today. Right. I know that that capability is there. I can kind of trust things when they come to me to share them. Yes. Which, uh, which is hard to do, you know? <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, that's kind of like I like I said, um, Suzanne was here in my area doing her Serving Spirit workshop, which I took. And like you said, I am not looking to, quote unquote, become a medium, but I do know that we all have that ability if we, like you said, quiet our minds and really tap in. And I know that Kyle, like Kyle um, said in his first, my first um reading with Suzanne, Kyle said, he's very proud of what I'm doing with the show, and he's my co-host. So every time I'm doing a show, he's right here. So And he he says that he sometimes will um, put messages, like you just said, like how Max and Maxine kind of just came in as an idea. And that's what he'll do as my co-host. He'll just give me an idea that I'll just speak and I'll just think, okay, I got that idea, but it, it probably came from Kyle. So, um, even, even, um, I know where he's buried that came from him. Um, I was in the, uh, funeral parlor in the funeral home, um, speaking to the funeral director who I knew who was a a friend of mine. Um, and he, we were trying to um, find a plot and he was saying here in Mount Pocono area where I live, he said, there's no plots available. Um, so we would have to go to Stroudsburg, which is south of here, which I'm thinking, my first thoughts is I I really don't want to have Kyle Berry in Stroudsburg. Um, and, and what came to me just after he said that, I said, well, what about Newfoundland? Now, Newfoundland is, is about 10, 15 minutes, 10, 12 minutes north of here. And I go that way to the lake. I, I'm a jet skier. I love the jet oh. ski, and mm-hmm. I have my own jet ski. And the, the Lake Wall and Palm Pack, I have to go through Newfoundland to get to Lake Wall and Palm Pack. So he's like, huh yeah stir well actually with sterling which is just uh closer to me than newfoundland there's this beautiful private cemetery which he would have the the funeral parlor owner would never have thought about that but some and it just and i it just and i know that came from kyle so it's just like i think where where i have him you know his um um I don't like to call it headstone. I like to call it mon- monument. And I know he's not there. I know his physical remains are there, but he's not there. I know he's with me wherever I am, whenever I think of him. But yeah. I just I know that I that that came from him, you know, inspiring me to say, "What about Newfoundland?" You know. So awesome. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's funny how that happens, and yes. sometimes you wonder, is this my idea or? did that come in as inspiration, you know? And that's, I think that's a hard part for people too. And that's probably one reason why even the best psychic mediums aren't always right because they're still battling like, well, you know, they're sharing everything that you're supposed to do, but they don't know necessarily like something could be a mix of your rational mind and other inspiration coming in. But When you look at the overall results, when you get some really phenomenal hits like the hang loose thing and things like that, you know, Yeah, this this person's dialed in yes
0: yes so
1: yes but I I guess back to the original the story that is in soul shift you know so I've gone through this series of readings
0: before you you get there I wanted I want to kind of go chronic did did the book come before helping parents heal which came first the book the book okay So, all right. So you said that you were having a lot of readings with different mediums, and you kind of felt that
1: it was going to be a book one day. Yeah, it just it got to a point where I felt like I had enough content, and and really, I think what I had started to do was I was going to do a biography on my father, because I wanted to channel my energy into something positive and to help his legacy um, continue on. And so I'd hired an editor out of New York City to work with me. And it wasn't long after I started on this, she goes, you know, and she saw some of the content I had that was kind of leading into this, that was talking about the catalyst, you know, that mm-hmm. brought me to get back to writing about my father and about the spirituality stuff. And she said, I think you can write about your dad anytime. I think you, you have your own story to tell. And that's kind of where the idea for this book started was that it would be something different than that and more um, about validation and healing And, you know, my own spiritual progression and and journey and learning along the lines that I could share with other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so um, the book, you know, obviously I started writing the day after my son passed. I didn't even think of that as writing the book. Those were just, I was just pouring out feelings and and information. And then as things happened, like the thing with my uncle and those things, um, I chronicled those. So I had everything written down. Uh, which was very good because we tend to forget stuff if we don't write it down sometimes. Yes. And then the book just kind of came to be. And then I started having these uh, readings, which were, you know, I would describe them as under fairly controlled conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one was with a um, a medium out of England named Linda Williamson, and it was very good. And she provided a lot of uh, good pertinent information and direction. And in yes. fact, looking back, she said, uh, if I'm not mistaken, she said, you know, I see you speaking in front of hundreds of people. I see you on TV. I see this thing becoming very big. And there's a lot of people on the other side behind you. So this is way before I'd even had any dream of any of this, you know, of health and parents heal or any of these con- conferences I've spoken at with this becoming so big. Wow. And she'd mentioned not only my father, but some scientists on the other side, whose names I'm familiar with who were involved in researching psychic phenomena and mediumship and things like this Mm -hmm. um so she was the first and then um shortly thereafter i'm trying to think chronologically um i think alison dubois may have been next okay but the the interesting thing about the alison dubois writing was two weeks before that someone who had been acquainted with my dad gave me a manuscript and it's called your psychic potential a guide to psychic development by dr richard ireland Dated 1973. And it was all typed, It had a bl- bibliography and everything. It was just a complete book ready to go, but it had never been published. Wow. And so I said to the person, Why are you giving this to me now, 12 years after my dad died? Um, and he said, I don't know. I just feel like I'm supposed to. And um, I didn't even know he had been holding this. So I was, I think at the time I was living in Denver and my dad was in Phoenix. So okay. perhaps that's why, because it wasn't easy for my dad to give me that. But here it is. This guy gives me this book. Two weeks later, I have my reading with Alison Dubois. And one of the first things she said was, well, your dad's here and he's showing me a book. And I think it's his book, but he's handing it to you. So it's for you to take forward. Does that make sense? I'm like, well, yeah, it makes total sense. And uh, I actually did get that book published in 2011. So that's out there, too. Um, some of the other things she gave were, she said that your son is uh, congratulating you on your 25th anniversary, which indeed had just happened about six weeks prior to the reading. Right. Um, she had mentioned a, a cause of death that was similar to drowning. Well, Brandon obviously didn't drown, but the autopsy physician told me that the severe asthma attack that Brandon had, the symptom on the lungs, they worked to get extra oxygen and they expanded to the point of almost meeting in the middle and that happens in cases of drowning and severe asthma attacks. So it was the same type of effect on the body. Yes. She mentioned the names Susie and Nancy. Susie's my wife and Nancy's my sister-in-law. Um, and there were a number of other things. But um, uh, then I uh, met with a Jamie Clark in Phoenix. He's become a, since become a friend. I'm friends with all these mediums. <laughs> too. Some of the researchers. So it's funny yeah. how it all happens. But Jamie yes. had mentioned um, a photo of my son, Brandon, with his brother, arm in arm, in a very green area on, on a mountain pass that looks like Hawaii. Okay. And I, it didn't re- immediately ring a bell, but we went into a drawer where we had just hundreds of photos just piled from the past I wow. sorted through it. And I found that photo that fit the description, which is really awesome. Yeah. Um, he had then talked to Susie and said, I see, you know, he's showing me that he's with you. And you were in the grocery store uh, just the other day, and I see you going through your purse looking for something you can't find it, but um, and, and Susie had gone in there. well, she had loaned her credit card or debit card to our son Steven, and so she didn't have it when she was going to pay for the groceries. Oh, she was okay. digging through her purse trying to find that.
0: <laughs> yeah, so yes.
1: <laughs> that was good. And then um, I think that you know, the highlight for me. I mean, those other readings were great, but uh, we're getting into the lab at the University of Arizona for the reading with Lori Campbell was really phenomenal. And having that tape for Discovery Channel is documentation of the event, even though they edit it down, um, I've got a full documentation of the content of that reading in the, in my book, Soul Shift. Wow. But um, I think the most, uh, the thing that touched me most were, you know, she had said that uh, she was asked. Um, And again, in this experiment, she couldn't see me. I was sitting behind her and I wasn't allowed to speak. Only she could talk. So she was asked questions by the professor and he had asked, um, do you, um, what can the deceased person, and she did, he did say, Brandon, the deceased person, Brandon, say to the person behind you to let you know that it's him. And she said, well, I feel like there, there's a, a book being written about the person that passed by the f- the person, and and she had correctly identified that it was my son without mm-hmm. being told. Uh, a number of other things she said um, that she felt like he had he had vomited um, before passing, and he my fr- uh, his friend Stuart verified that that was true. He had vomited shortly before he passed out, and um, also that there was a, a memorial with a plaque and absolutely his high school. Um, one of the kids had designed a sculpture of a bass guitar. And then there was a plaque at the bottom honoring our son. And I believe that is still there at Saguaro high school in Scottsdale, Arizona today. Mm. Um, so there are a number of those things. Um, so that, you know, that was kind of the, I guess the, the journalistic part of my journey. Yeah. And then in the last couple chapters, I kind of digest the information and, and tell you what I think and what it all means and and really I guess ultimately is that you know life has purpose it's not meaningless as a lot as a lot of folks are taught uh, based on <laughs> the way a lot of people want to look at the world and the universe is chaotic and having no meaning or purpose I think that's a lie yeah um, we have we have a purpose we have a path so it's important to continue on even when you go through struggles right. and sometimes those struggles make us better people, make us more empathetic to others and, and take us to the next level. And there's no easy way to get there. And uh, when you go through that kind of a thing, it can really make you more valuable and more, more humble and more uh, empathetic to other people. And that, you know, life does go on. So don't despair, you know, grief is going to happen because we're, you know, we're, we're spirits or souls in the physical body for a while and we get used to having other physical beings around us that we love. Um, but just because the shell is gone doesn't mean they're gone. And we have to remember that and trust that, you know, we'll we'll be back with them in the future. And in the meantime, we can still have a relationship of a different sort like you have today with your son and like I've had with Brandon. Yes. And uh, and ultimately, you know, those are kind of the messages that that I share in the book. And those are my personal perspectives. I allow the reader to draw their own conclusions.
0: Yes. Yes, like I like I, I say with my show, um, I just share what resonates as true for me, and and but I, I encourage everybody to go within, and, and find what resonates with what what resonates as true within them. So it's just sharing our personal journey, like you shared your personal story, which is so touching, and and other parents and other people, not just parents, but um, people that have people on uh, loved ones on the other side that you're still grieving to know that they're still with you. They're not gone. I just think that's such an important message. Um, and if it resonates with someone, it can definitely help, you know, bring them out of their
1: grief. So, right. So. And I and I do encourage people. You know, at a certain point in time, if if they're open to it, they can have a mediumship reading like you had with Suzanne Geisman yes. to help them. But I caution people too because there are folks out there that feel they have the ability, and they're either. I mean, there are some frauds that just want yes. to take people's money. That's and true. There are there are also people who think they're better than they are, or they may be a little deluded about the level of their ability, and that's. You know, that's something that can be dangerous too because if you take somebody who's very vulnerable and they have a session with someone like that, it can set them back. Yes. So, as healing as a good rating can be, a bad one can set people back. So, I'm very
0: damaging. Yes.
1: Yeah, cautious about that. And for that reason, um, you know, people come to me for recommendations and I do have a list of people that I like and trust, but I've also developed a mediumship certification program of my own. Awesome. And the reason I did it was because. Some of the top mediums that are excellent are booked out six months, a year, or whatever. And people can't wait that long. And some of them charge a lot because that's their sole source of income, which I understand. Mm-hmm. And I'm not denying them that right. Right. Um, I mean, it's great if people want to charge less or whatever. But I, th- I just figure there are a lot of people out there that are lesser known that have good abilities. And sure right. enough, I found that to be the case. So um, I put together this program out of my own pocket, launched a website, spent a few thousand dollars doing this and have have, um, tested um, and had 12 different mediums pass the certification process. And to do this, they have to do five readings uh, for someone they don't know and they have no background information on them and their telephone readings. And then at the end, you know, the readings are recorded, transcribed and then graded by the sitter for accuracy. And also for outstanding validations, um, and as a result, like I said, twelve people have passed, and so I do have resources that I can relay to people now and have some confidence in. Even with that, you know, the best mediums don't um, aren't right all the time, and I would say even in the testing process, the ones that did the best, that graded, you know, uh, the highest, even they had, you know, at least out of the five, they had one reading that was either mediocre or, or not good. Right. And I think, you know, there are different reasons for that. It can come down to the connection, I think, mm-hmm. more than anything else, or how the medium feels physically that day. Or if the sitter, you know, is somehow um, negative in a way, which is kind of natural. I understand it's, someone's it's deep grief. Yes.
0: Yeah. It's very, it's, it's, everything is vibration. But I'm, I'm so glad you're sharing that because I recently got an email from a listener, Um, I've done several shows with Suzanne Giesman, And I just, I recently got an email from a listener saying, I really want a reading, but I know Suzanne's waiting list is maybe two years, at least 18 months long. And um, so she's in high demand. And so the the, uh, listener was saying, I can't really afford Suzanne and she has a very long waiting list. Can I recommend? And at at that time, I said I only really know of the mediums that I've had on my show, but now I can direct that um, viewer to your website, which is amazing.
1: Yeah, so if they go to my website, um, there's a link there for that specific thing. And my website's markirelandauthor.com.
0: Thank you, and Uh, I was going
1: to ask ask you to please
0: share that. No, I was going to ask you to please share your link, how people can find out
1: this information yeah sure do you want me to talk about the formation of helping parents heal yes please okay yes. so going back to I think it was 2010 um, but by that point I was friends with Jamie Clark one of the mediums I'd mentioned earlier and we were actually doing some different types of presentations and workshops together which were a lot of fun and this particular one we did um, there was an attendee named Suzanne Wilson that came there and she's today now very prominent medium and she's very gifted. But at the time she had just moved to Arizona from Florida and I didn't know who she was. And I don't think many people did. So, um, she came up to me uh, during a break and had shared a validation with me, uh, that was pertinent and uh, meaningful. And, um, so we stayed in touch a little bit. I can't remember when this happened, but within a very short period of time of that meeting, she said, there's a, another bereaved parent I want you to meet. Her name's Elizabeth Boyson. Uh, her son had passed um, in the Himalayas. He, um, and she didn't give me a lot of other details, but she just said, I want you to meet this woman. So my wife and I uh, had made arrangements to meet Elizabeth, and we uh, it was like at a happy hour or something like that. So I met her, I gave her a copy of Soul Shift. So Soul Shift, I started writing, as I said, in 2004. It was published in 2008. I tried to get it published earlier, but hey, I was a first-time author. I didn't have the background, but I did get it published by a traditional publisher, which was really my goal, right. mainly for the distribution and the promotional aspects.
0: Right.
1: Um, so 2008, it was published. So two years later, I have a book, I give it to Elizabeth. She reads it really quickly, loved it, uh, was blown away, and then she reached back out to me and she said, Hey, I've got this group of people I've pulled together in Care for Your Cave Creek, which is north of Scottsdale. Okay. I'd like you to, and we're going to have our first meeting. I'd like you to talk. Now, she'd been to other parents' groups, I won't name names of the organizations, okay. but she found like those didn't work for her so much because they really didn't allow the discussion of the spiritual stuff or, you know, yes. afterlife evidence, the stuff that people want more than anything else, you mm-hmm. know. Excuse and me. I just need a little. Yeah, no. no, no problem. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I said, sure, I'll come speak and uh, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll talk and share. So I went to this and it was the first ever meeting of a, a group she had called Parents United and Lost. So she had this group and then she had put a Facebook page up for it. Mm-hmm. I guess, to bring interest and to use it for notifying people about meetings. And at this first meeting, I could immediately tell we had a very diverse group of people, including, you know, people that are on one end of the spectrum being maybe atheist or agnostic to the other, fundamentalist Christian and everything in between. And so she said, I just want you to talk about your book and all this. And I said, you know, I think, we, are you sure you want me to? Because I think there's some fundamentalists here and we might get into some conflict. <laughs> and, So she said, no, go ahead. It'll be fine. So we did have some intense discussion, but fortunately I know enough about scripture um, and had my facts together that I could make references to uh, things supporting the validity of this. You know, there's, there's a number of them, you know, for example, uh, uh, well for clairvoyance, Jesus speaking to the Samaritan woman at the well and telling her you know, the fact that she had five husbands and the one, man who's with her now is not her husband right. to um, him talking to dead people in plain sight of the disciples that they called that the story of the transfiguration. Yes. So some of those kinds of things. So right. anyhow, at the end of the day, the meeting had a lot of really good dialogue and discussion and, um, and people stuck. So there was a core group of people that came back again and again, and she asked me to, you know, participate and come and speak periodically. And then um, she would, um, change the format sometimes to have guest speakers or to have. I can't remember back then if she had mediums or not, but eventually she invited good mediums like Suzanne Wilson to come and, and do readings, gallery readings for the attendees, which was very healing. So go forward to late fall 2011, and um, I was leaving a corporate job that had been very stressful and working for somebody that I didn't care for very much, Who mm-hmm. I felt was not the best person in the world. Right. But um, I talked to Tina powers and she said, Mark, I really feel like your main path or your purpose is to help these bereaved parents. So maybe think about how you can do that. And so I mulled it over and I thought, well, you know, Elizabeth's doing great work, but it's only one location, you know, it's just right. there. And people have this need everywhere. And I thought, well, What if, you know, and initially I thought, I'm going to have this national or international organization. So it was kind of the vision, the bigger vision. And then I thought, well, why do I need to reinvent the wheel? Um, So I approached her and I said, hey, Elizabeth, you've already got the blueprint. You're doing this, but you're missing. You don't have a website and you don't have a newsletter. What if we put our forces together and we took this thing out and we see if other people want to establish affiliate organizations in different cities in other locations and blow this out. And she says, oh, I'm all over it. And I said, well, I kind of had an idea for the name Helping Parents Heal. She goes, oh, I love that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I didn't really like that name, Parents United in Law. So yeah. um, with that- I, I love, yeah. I love, because <clears throat> words are important. And like for
0: me, everything, I'm very, I came to my awakening through science, through quantum physics, through the fact that everything is energy and that energy is interconnected. And I know that word have vibration. So the word loss has has a lower vibration than helping parents heal. It's a much higher vibration and it's all with words. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. So the rest is kind of history, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, she, the Facebook page now has 10,000 members and that's on a private page. I mean, it's yes. hard for people to even get there. Yes. And we have, uh, I believe, 45 to 50 affiliates across the U.S. and overseas.
0: Now one in PA.
1: One in PA. <laughs> and uh, the newsletter has thousands of recipients. It's growing at hundreds per month. Um, and then our first ever conference. This is something we talked about years ago. Like, hey, should we start trying to raise money? Because for the first several years, we, we never tries to, tried to raise a dime. We just did this at our own expense. and wanted people to be healed and helped, and so we decided to try and put a conference together we were hopeful of you know getting 200 people there we have over 400 people registered and it would be higher but we ran out of space (laughs) so so um, great
0: yes and it's it's
1: not going to stop you know it's going to continue growing
0: oh yeah and it's, it's so so needed it's so like i said i feel like i i feel so in in alignment with helping parents heal i mean for me my mission which i started I, I launched i got the idea to launch this show six months after kyle's transition and and also i the kyle foundation which kyle stands for keep your light expanding and again the same thing like i did everything i i'm good with i'm i'm good with computers so i created my own website i host my own show i did everything it was just a one woman's show and i it was all about just sharing the truth of oneness which to me is what um just woke when i woke to the truth of oneness and understood that we are literally all one and when mankind awakens because it's just about awakening and remembering Remembering who we are, remembering we are souls, eternal souls, having a temporary life experience, but we go in and out of different, you know, it's not a, a permanent thing like death. There is no death, you know. So my soul was was encouraging me to share this message. And then I <clears throat> met um, found out about helping parents heal. I actually originally found out about helping parents heal from my third guest, like I said, I've done, this is my 106th show, and okay. uh, three. I launched three years ago. My third guest was Anne, P- 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 I'm bad with names, Anne P- Pierre, um, okay. author of Stephen Lives, which was, that book was actually channeled, she channeled it from her son, who um, committed suicide in the 70s um, at 15 years old, Stephen. And so Stephen wanted her to know he still lives, and she wrote that book. And she was my third guest, and so that's where I first heard of helping parents heal. But it's just so much in alignment with my mission of just awakening the world to the truth of who they are—that we're all one, and that life goes on, and our loved ones are not gone. So it—I just feel. So honored that I can be a part of Helping Parents Heal. And I'm definitely going to see you next week. And yeah,
1: looking forward to it. <laughs> and you're doing great work. Thank you.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. I've never been to Arizona. So it's, it seems like you, there's a lot of good stuff happening in Arizona. <laughs> so I can't wait. I'm so excited.
1: Yes. Yeah, you're coming at a good time of year. It'll be a little warm, but it'll be, it'll be nice.
0: Well, we still have, I'm still looking at some snow on the ground. We got, oh. <laughs> we got uh, about eight feet of snow in the month of March.
1: <laughs> so. Wow. I haven't had to deal with that in Portland, but I have to deal with gray skies and rain in the winter, which is not, uh, I kind of miss Arizona this time of year, but we okay. followed our son up here. He got married and uh, oh, okay. you know, we wanted to be near them and it looks like there's a good chance of us being grandparents before long, so we wanted to make <laughs> oh. sure to be close to them.
0: Yes, yes. That's wonderful. Yes. Well, yeah, I am a grandmom. I'm a mima. I have one grandson. He's eight years old. He just turned eight. So it is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And, and um, Kyle was my youngest and he did get to see my grandson. He's, he spent the, the first three years of his nephew. So I know he's, he's very proud of his, his nephew, my grandson. So it, it's, a, it's a wonderful You know, knowing that they're not gone, that he's still, and I did. I'm really glad that he did get to spend a lot of time with my grandson before Kyle trans. You know, before he made his transition. So yeah, I'm so excited. I am so excited, and I think helping parents heal is so needed. And I really do hope we do. I mean, for the East, I I think your it's the affiliates are more located in the in the West coast and in arizona area but as we spread out the east we really we could use more affiliates on the east coast as well
1: right i know we have um, a few in the east we have a lot in florida for some reason but um outside of that i think it's a little bit sparse on the eastern seaboard and there's you know that's obviously the most populated area of the country so yes um, come on philly come on (laughs) dc well we have two in dc i'm sorry okay two in dc we don't have philly Uh, Baltimore I don't believe we have Uh, New York City we do have one we could use Mm -hmm. maybe more in the New York uh, Metroplex area yes and uh, Boston we don't have anybody I think we have someone in New Hampshire which isn't too far from Boston so I'm kind of speaking off the top of my head here but right um, yeah if people hear this and they're interested we'd love to have more affiliates yes
0: So true, so true. So now, now Soul Shift, which I love the title of your book, Soul Shift, because I'm very much into conscious, our consciousness shifting to raising our consciousness to who we truly are uh, as a human species. And now Soul Shifting, I like that because it's our soul is just shifting from this life to the next. I like the word transition, but it's soul shift. It's the same thing. And um, but you have another book. You have a new book. Please share. Yeah, no, this
1: is a this is a few years newer. It's called Messages from the Afterlife. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I did was it wasn't so much an extension of Soul Shift, although in a way it was. But this one was a little more focused on the science. It was focused on addressing science and skeptics, and also has a full chapter on religious. Implications in the history of religion, psychic phenomena, and mediumship. I felt that was important to address because there are a lot of folks that get hung up. They have fear because they're taught through their churches sometimes, like, hey, stay away from this stuff. But they don't know why or they don't know the deeper parts. And those, I argue that a lot of those are just traditional views that don't really reflect what's in scripture. I mean, there are some cautions there, which I think are valid. But at the same time, there's a lot of instances where divination and prophecy and um, mediumship are shown in a positive light. And and so I I discussed those issues. And then there's also a chapter in the book um, on an experiment I conducted with my sister when she passed in 2006. So before she died, um, I asked her if she'd like to do this, that it could potentially help people. And I explained to her that the idea was for her to write a message um, that was short, put it into a sealed envelope, and then it would be retained until she passed. And then her job would be from the other side to try and convey that information or that message to a God. medium. Wow! And so I don't want to give away the punchline, yes. <laughs> but that's, that's in there. Okay. It's a. It was a really interesting process that we went through with that. And I had the help of a couple of, of scientists. Uh, in fact, um, a neuroscientist that was a professor at the university of Kansas helped me with that. Wow. And, um, so um, those pieces are in there, and um, then there's a whole chapter on skeptics and skepticism um, and the difference between objective, true skepticism, open-minded mm-hmm. skepticism versus, you know, someone who already has this physicalistic, materialistic worldview, and everything's got to fit into that, and they're not open to the possibility that, you know, that's not really the true nature of reality at all. Right. Um, you know, Um I love so, the-
0: I, I just want to jump in here because I I love what you're saying because for me I took you science science is what inspired my awakening It's, it's actually a, a film called what the bleat which oh yeah about, I, I saw that <laughs> yeah all about that was what inspired my awakening and um, also um, I uh, were from, am still friends and for me anyway with a lot of quote-unquote fundamental christians and one of my very dear friends stopped speaking to me when i started this show three years ago now i still consider this person a dear friend but because um one of my second or third guests was a channel which i've had several several channels several mediums um on my show as guests but as soon as i said the word channel i'm done with you i'm like what because, you know, because of what you say, these, these, and, and I know in my heart that everything I believe in, and resonate as true for me is in scripture. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, and, but the, to be so, like you said, narrow-minded, closed-minded and not open to the possibilities is, and so I love, so now what is the title of this new book?
1: Yeah, so the second book and it's not brand new it's been out a couple of years but it's messages okay. from from the afterlife messages, a, ber- okay. a bereaved father's journey in let me grab it hold on okay <laughs> okay Great. go get it sorry i was
0: no the, problem it's got a
1: long subtitle so okay. this is the new book or the newer book i don't know if okay you can, uh,
0: that... i can see it yeah great awesome yeah. So this
1: book is going to be more for the science-minded reader who awesome. wants that deeper dive and to have um, the scientific data. But it's an interweaving of my personal experiences and my personal research along with the greater body of evidence that's been called over time. Yes. The first book is Soul Shift. Yes, and my son Stephen actually illustrate did that illustration.
0: Wow. He didn't do it.
1: He didn't do it for the book okay. specifically. He had just did it, and then I saw what do you done? I thought this would be perfect for my book cover because yes. it kind of, you know, you can kind of feel like, Oh, I've got two realms and then the veil between. Yes. And I thought it was symbolically perfect for that.
0: That's perfect. Yes. Yes.
1: And, um, so, the, and I told you, I'd tell you how the title came to be, which is yes. rather interesting because yes. I have a, a publisher, um, who wanted the title, get this ghost souls finding the dead. And I thought, okay. Uh, I'm not doing that. That's, thats nothing about what this book's about. It sounds macabre, macabre. Yes. And uh, so, I went to bed one night and I tried—I meditated on this and I said I need another title. Yes. So, I popped up one morning at 4 a.m. and I'm not an early riser, but it popped <laughs> up and I got Soul Shift. Soul Shift. And yes. so I and I went back and I said it's good. It's got to be Soul Shift. And it's yeah, really a dual meaning, the shift of transition of my son, but also the shift in me yes. that took place. Yeah. And then he's like, well, we, you know, and I didn't really want the word dead, but he insisted on it. So he's like, well, instead of finding the dead, how about finding where the dead go? I said, okay, we can compromise on that. Okay. So okay. it's soul shift, finding where the dead go. Okay. But that, that spurred questions when I was interviewed, like, well, where do the dead go? <laughs> so <laughs> then I... It's like, well, I didn't even want that in the title, so right. and I would I, typically I answer, yeah. "I don't." And it's hard for me to say the where. It's you know, it's re- it's just another dimensional reality because they're
0: right here. They're not yeah. going anywhere. They're right here. Yeah, it's just right. a, it's just another dimension. So true. And and I agree with you. I, I kind of would have fought, fought the publisher a little bit more on the word dead because I don't use that word dead at all. And I and one of the other things is I don't use the word bereavement. Um, I, um, I'm trying to think if I'm pretty sure it was Elizabeth, um, when I first spoke to her and I said, no, I've never degra- described myself as a bereaved parent. Um, to be honest, um, and I, I, I am working on my first book and I will be sharing my story. And you know, many of my, my, uh, reg- regular listeners know, but my son, I went through, two episodes with my son where he doctors told me he wasn't going to live three years or two and a half years before he actually transitioned. And during that time, I tried to take my life because I was oh. not. I, I wrote a, a suicide note. I was in the hospital. He had been on life support for five weeks. Doctors came to me, took me in a different room because they know, they know not to say certain things around the patient so they they you know took me i was i was sleeping in his i c u room for five weeks, and they took me to the side to a different room to ask if they could take him off life support, so they said that were he could not hear that and um because they had given up on him. I refused to let them take him off life support, but I knew I didn't say this to them, I knew in my mind, uh-uh my son is not leaving before I leave. So I, I you know, not in his room, I went to a, little, uh, a small waiting room, a couple of floors up from the ICU, and the strongest thing I could get my hands on were over-the-counter sleeping pills. And I took a bottle of over-the-counter sleeping pills and wrote a suicide note, I'm not gonna bury my son, my son's gonna bury me. And um, so I was unconscious for two days, um, I remember briefly waking up in the ICU, uh, ER actually first, and then being in the ICU. And, um, when I, I came to consciousness, um, they allowed me to visit with my son, I was on 24 hour suicide watch. And they allowed me to visit with him like for a few minutes a day, supervised visits. visit. They did, they did not take him off life support because I never gave my permission. For him to be taken off, and I remember the last time I did a super supervised visit with him, I whispered in his ear. I said, "Kyle, get better, so we could both go home." And this was December of 2011, so just before Christmas, and the hospital was in Philadelphia on 34th Street. So I experienced a true miracle on 34th (laughs) Street that Christmas because. He took that night, after I whispered in his ear, Kyle, get better, so we could both go home. He pulled himself off of life support. He pulled out the ventilator. He pulled out the feeding tool, tube. And his vitals were like he was not even sick. The doctors, it was a true miracle. And two weeks after that, just before New Year's, New Year's uh, Eve, he and I went home. So from that miracle- wow. Yeah. From that miracle, I said to God, I said, I will never, ever, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I will never, ever, ever, ever stop thanking you for this miracle. So Kyle didn't get ill again until two and a half years later. He, um, was going in as the ambulance was taking him to the hospital in, uh, April of 2014. I was thanking God. I said, Thank you, God. I don't know if I'm gonna bring him home this time. I don't know what's gonna happen, but I will never stop thanking you. And so when when Kyle transitioned, um, and he transitioned on July 1st, 2014, when he made his transition, I had been reading that in his ICU room. I was reading Your Soul's Plan and Your Soul's Gift by Robert Schwartz, who was my first guest on my show. And I knew that Kyle and I had a soul plan, that in the soul plan, he was going to leave before me, and it was a soul agreement. I knew it was a soul agreement, I knew it was his soul plan, and I knew he wasn't wasn't gone. His physical body was gonna be gone, but he wasn't gone. So when he actually transitioned, I was completely at peace. I was comforting other people, other people, like my cousin was breaking down and I had to like, you know, I, and she's like, wait a second, I should be comforting you. I was completely at peace when he transitioned because I knew in my heart, he wasn't gone. I knew this was our soul plan. I was supposed to stay here. I had work to do and he was gonna, and so now we're, we're partners. He's, he and I are still partners. He's working on the other side of the veil. I'm working on this side of the veil. Nice. Uh, Yeah. It's nice you
1: had that extra two and a half years, too. Oh,
0: my goodness. Yes, yes, yes. I think it was, I think it, because the plan was for me to do this work, and I think if he had transitioned in 2011, I wouldn't be doing this work, or I may not even be here, you know, so it's like, okay, wait a second, she's messing up the plan. (laughs) So, yeah, so. We have a detour. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) She needs, so, so Kyle, Kyle is probably has said, okay, she needs more time, okay? <laughs> so her for her to do what she's supposed to do, she needs more time. So, yeah, but uh, it's all wonderful. Please share with our listeners again, Mark, how they can find you and the name of your books. And because and, I want everyone to be able to connect with you and follow your work.
1: Sure and for those coming to the conference you can hear me speak I'll have two speaking uh, opportunities during the conference but my website is markirelandauthor.com it's M A R K Ireland like the country author that's all just a string of letters markirelandauthor.com if you go there you know, there's a contact button if you want to write me um, there's a media page with a lot of my interviews tv appearances the discovery channel piece my books are on there, um, and I've got links to other pertinent sites. The books that I have, uh, my books are Soul Shift, which is the memoir, and I think the people that enjoy reading a narrative that's a real personal journey uh, will enjoy that the most. The more touchy-feely people will like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there is science in it too, but it's more the personal journey. And then <laughs> the follow-up is Messages from the Afterlife, and this is the book that delves into uh, the science. Uh, talks about the skeptics, and it uh, also touches on the religious issues for people who may be interested in that and the justification of these kinds of things within the religious traditions. Yes, um, and also the experiment involving my sister. So, science-minded will be more interested in this, and people who have questions about the spiritual religious uh, connection with those things. There is a third book; it wasn't mine, but it's called Your Psychic Potential. A Guide to Psychic Development, and that was written by my father. Yes. But I was able to get that published um, in 2011, and that's available now too. Um, I don't think I have one written for me. Actually, I do. Hold on. I'll show you that one too.
0: Great. Thank
1: you. So um, this is my dad's book. Awesome. potential.
0: Yes, I think that's so wonderful that you're you were able to publish this book for him. So it, it, I think that's amazing. That is great. Yes, yeah, I was
1: really honored.
0: Yes. That is amazing. And I can't wait. I'm so happy and so excited. I will be flying into Phoenix next Thursday Thursday morning, the 12th. I'll be flying into Phoenix, and I'll get to meet you in person.
1: Yeah, looking forward to it. Well, safe travels, and thanks for having me on again.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. And you'll be – because I'm also doing another show, so I'll be doing my first show on location at the conference. So I'm going to be trying to get – all of the speakers, uh, five minutes with each of the speakers, and have a show on the conference. So that's great. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Get up, get up, get up, get up.
1: Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Excellent. Yeah. Well, take care. Thank you so
0: much. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to see you next week. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye.